Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I'm going to be your host today, Elliot, and join with me in the virtual studio. We have Erica and Doug. Hello. Uh, we also have Damien in the background. Hello. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about a rather disturbing development that is currently in the works and is set to be implemented legally by 2024. This is uh, plans which were laid out by the World Health Organization, who announced in December of last year uh, plans for an international treaty on pandemic prevention and preparedness. So essentially what this is, is an intergovernmental negotiating body, which um, was, it had its first meeting planned in on March 4th, March, March 1st of this year. And essentially um, what they are looking to do is form uh, an international treaty, which is essentially going to be somewhat of a governing body with regards to how countries are um, responding or reacting to future pandemics. So we see immediately what they're doing is they are putting in plans, putting the plans in pe- place for when we next uh, are faced with whether it's a fake pandemic or whether it's a real pandemic. Uh, either way, um, we see that the WHO and other kind of globalist organizations are looking to form basically a, 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 an alliance between different countries um, on how countries respond. Now, the reason why this is important is because essentially what it seems to be at its most basic level is they are trying to control how every country is going to be responding. And the countries who do not respond in the way that they want to respond, that that who wants them to respond, well, they are going to be punished. We'll go into this a little bit in more detail. Um, but to quote what uh, a, a paper titled Multilateralism in Times of Global Pandemic, Lessons Learned and the Way Forward. This was a paper paper published by the G20 in 20 in December 2020. And um, here's a quote from this paper. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and its economic consequences have revealed the weakness of the current arrangements for multilateral co- cooperation. International organizations with the mandate to play leading roles in, de- in dealing with international crises have not functioned effectively. They also go on to essentially criticize uh, the national sovereignty, sovereignty of nations, saying that nationalism has been one of the barriers against multilateralism. In other words, there have been orders from on high. It, we saw with the COVID pandemic, uh, or pandemic, I should say, in quotes, we saw how uh, there were various countries who did not toe the party line. And essentially, um, we've seen that this has caused a little bit of a ruckus, and, and the WHO obviously doesn't like that. Uh, they haven't liked that. And so what they would like to do, this is essentially, this seems to be uh, the focus of this treaty is to form a, 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 an, an alliance or a, a governing body which spans, it, 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 it's, it's outside of government, right? In fact, it's applying cross governments. It's essentially an unelected government um, on, on how countries are going to be responding to this. Yeah. What do you think, guys? Well, yeah, what it basically does is set up the director general of the WHO as being the ultimate dictator. 
um, who, you know, this is, we have to remember this is an unelected body, right? These are just people who have put themselves in charge. And any country that signs on to this is obligated to uh, follow the dictates of the WHO. Um, not only is it just, uh, you know, uh, if there's a pandemic, like an, like an actual pandemic and, and things are scary and they can mandate everybody get vaccines and everybody has to lock down and all that kind of stuff coming from on high above your own government. Um, but they also will, um, like you were mentioning before, Elliot, is uh, actually punish countries that don't do that. And they're talking about partnering with the IMF and the World Bank and all these other organizations so that they actually have some meat behind what they are capable of doing as punishment. So it could be economic sanctions. It could be, oh, you know, that loan that we were going to give you, uh, we're not going to give you that anymore. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's actually quite crazy that countries are considering like voluntarily signing on to this. And right now there's 198 countries that are involved. So it's not like a small amount. It's not just the U S and China, you know, it's, almost every country. Yeah. Yeah, to, to quote um, a paper published by the London School of Economics, um, they, they say, for this treaty to have teeth, the organization that governs, governs it needs to have the power, either political or legal, to enforce compliance. They say in its current form, or a UN report, Detailed in its current form, the World Health Organization does not possess such powers. To move on with the treaty, the World Health Organization therefore needs to be empowered financially and politically. And with that scary guy, Tedros, at the head of it, which you notice he, he has a bit of a sketchy past. We've talked about him in the past several times. You can always just look on SOT about the things that he was involved in, but he becomes the dictator, right? And just uh, recently kind of an odd tidbit, but uh, Bill Gates just released a new book and he was on Twitter promoting it, you know? So these guys all work in concert together to get everyone to toe the party line and they have all the money to do it. You know, they have all the financing behind them to get these poor countries that might need international monetary fund loan forgiveness or whatnot. I mean, we, we watched it happen in Canada with yeah. the, the truckers, you know, like, oh, so you want to be autonomous and show your sovereignty? Well, we'll just cut off your bank accounts. Let's see how well you do when you have no access to money. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's very much what they're pushing for here. There's a, a major focus on um holding countries accountable right uh this big push push for accountability and how that how they're essentially going to do that and like you mentioned doug they're pairing up with these other kind of international organizations and funds and whatnot um and they're going to be placing major financial sanctions um on countries who who basically who, who don't do what they say they're going to do uh, it says uh, the treaty should possess an adaptable incentive regime including sanctions such as public reprimands economic sanctions and denial of benefits on the other hand uh the countries who do follow orders who do exactly as they're told to do well in fact they will be uh, praised they will be given you know financial gifts you know, they will, they will kind of be, um, they'll be treated very well, um, financially, politically, whatever. So 
I mean, it's essentially saying if you do what we want you to do, then we will, you know, we will kind of help you. Uh, if you don't do what you what what we want you to do, we're going to destroy you. <laughs> you <cannot. Yeah. laughs> well, interestingly, there was a an article on Off Guardian that is actually one of the few places I've actually seen covering this in any kind of detail. Um, they had a, an article called "Pandemic Treaty Will Hand Who Keys to Global Government." Let me read that again. "Pandemic Treaty Will Hand WHO Keys to Global Government," and. In that article, they're actually talking about this whole kind of carrot stick thing that they're planning on doing. And I'll just read a couple of paragraphs because they've actually, there's a precedence for this, right? National governments who refuse to play ball being punished and those who play along getting paid off is not new. We have already seen that with COVID. Two African countries, Burundi and Tanzania, had presidents who banned the WHO from their borders and refused to go along with a pandemic narrative. Both presidents died unexpectedly within months of that decision, only to be replaced by new presidents who instantly reversed their predecessors' COVID policies. Less than a week after the death of President Pierre Nkurunziza, sorry, I'm butchering that, uh, the IMF agreed to forgive almost $25 million of Burundi's national debt in order to help combat, co the, co combat, combat the COVID-19 crisis. Just five months after the def death of President John Maguf Magufuli, the new government of Tanzania received $600 million from the IMF to address the COVID pandemic. So we've already seen this play out, right? This is how it works. It's like, uh, if you don't play ball, then... Maybe there's we'll an you. unexpected <laughs> death there. Well, we can't say that that's actually what happened. It might just be a coincidence, Erica. Come on. Okay, okay. But sorry, it's pretty damn fishy, <laughs> wouldn't you say? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, no, we're not playing ball. We're not doing this COVID thing. Oh, what do you know? They died of a heart attack. Oh, and the new president all of a sudden does want to follow our advice. Well, here's $600 million. And they make a, a, an excellent point that at the moment is covert, right? It's covert. Mm -hmm. They're being covertly um, uh, re rewarded for, you know, let's say hypothetically, uh, there's a a coup, you know, getting rid or an assassination of a president or a leader of a country who doesn't follow the the mandate or the instruction, and um and then and then there's this new compliant government who are essentially just puppets. <clears throat> this IMF fund, or let's say hypothetically, they were to be rewarded uh, six hundred million or whatever. Uh, again, that's covert. It's like it's like they can't outright say, "Yeah, we're giving you a bunch of money because you followed uh, you followed our orders." You know, you did what we told you to do. So that's that's how it's potentially played out in the past, right? But what they're saying is, with this new treaty it would then become over. It would become policy, like in like international policy. It would be that we are, you know, this, this is, this is essentially what you've agreed to. We are well within our rights to um, completely, uh, you know, to, to slap loads of sanctions and, and bad stuff on this country. If they don't follow, follow what we tell them to do. Um, so it's like, that's what this is about. It's about, uh, control. It's about having, um, giving unelected officials. And it's like the, the title of this article, uh, global government. That's essentially what this is. It's unelected global governance. Um, without any kind of uh, oversight, no one gets to, uh, see what, what's going on behind closed doors. This is not like, uh, 
politics. This is uh, essentially like a one world uh, medical uh, fascist government, which is coming in and deciding what governments do and don't do um, without any public oversight. And in that article, they talk about how the WHO is the only institution in the world empowered to declare a pandemic, right? And we know that the definition of pandemic has even changed and that the director general, Tedros, the unelected position is the only individual who controls that power. Yeah, they give a good example of that actually when um, that they changed the, uh, the definition. Um, it used to be, okay, so prior to 2000, I'll just read from this. This is the same uh, Off Guardian article. Prior to 2008, the WHO could only declare an influenza pandemic if there were enormous, quote, enormous numbers of deaths and illness. And there was a new distinct subtype. In 2008, the WHO loosened the definition of influenza pandemic to remove these two conditions. As a, two th as a 2010 letter uh, to the British Medical Journal pointed out, these changes meant many seasonal flu viruses could be classified as pandemic influenza. If the WHO had not made those changes, the 2009 swine flu outbreak could never have been called a pandemic and would likely have passed without notice. Instead, dozens of countries spent millions upon millions of dollars on swine flu vaccines they did not need and did not work to fight a pandemic that resulted in fewer than 20,000 deaths. Many of those responsible for advising the WHO to declare swine flu a public health emergency were later shown to have financial ties to vaccine manufacturers. Despite this historic example of blatant corruption, one proposed clause of the pandemic treaty would make it even easier to declare a PHEIC, which is Public Health Emergency of International Concern. According to the May 2021 report, COVID-19 make it the last pandemic, quote, Future declarations of PHEIC by the WHO Director General should be based on the precautionary principle where warranted. In other words, pre-crime, you know, <laughs> basically precautionary principle. So if they suspect that maybe there might be a pandemic on the way, then they're able to enact these powers, right? So they don't even need evidence. It's completely like there is no oversight on this. It basically is the director general is the dictator of the world as far as health is concerned. And so if there's even a suspected pandemic, they can lock you down. They can have you vaccinated. They can do all these other crazy things that we've already seen. So this is scary. And we know that it's not really going to be the director general, right? It's right. whoever is paying uh, the funds. You know, Bill Gates. <laughs> well, people can look into who, who funds the who, right? Uh, but again, that's pretty obvious. We have this kind of alliance of globalists who are pushing for this kind of multilateralism. Again, they're, they're, they're pointing out how, I mean, it's, it's ironic. They, they, they tell you, they, they literally tell you nationalism and national sovereignty is a threat to their plans you know yeah. it's a threat to multilateralism it's a threat to what they want to achieve i mean it's like great reset 101 mm -hmm. <laughs> it's right. like so obviously uh based on this concept of a one world governing body governing system where local politics national politics is is basically going to be irrelevant right that's that's basically what they're pushing for um and and really there's there's they they make it quite clear they make it quite clear 
Well, and I think the COVID thing was a perfect opportunity for them to see where their flaws and their current design were at, right? So they didn't really, or maybe they did, I don't know, I don't think like them, so I'm not sure, but just from following it for the last two years, it seems that they suspected everyone would be so afraid they would go along with it. And then they realized there were certain countries that actually care about the sovereignty of their nations and have a two functioning neurons to see that, you know, the, the, you can't vaccinate your way out of a pandemic and, you know, so the censorship went into full mode and whatnot, but I think this by 2024, they want to iron out all these pesky little countries like the U S right with, uh, you know, their constitution. And, and so you see different countries, uh, kind of addressing this and I'll just speak for the U S since I live here, but, um, the health and human services part of the U S you know, they, uh, they were controlling what was happening here. And, um, we are currently in a state of emergency still in the U S apparently in March or April, March, April, Biden just extended it for the eighth time. And when he did that, he left it open-ended, right? And then he was able to give billions of dollars for pandemic preparedness without the oversight of Congress. So now we've got money flying all around with no accountability. You know what I'm saying? So Again, in the US, a lot of people came out and they realized that their independence and sovereignty was important to them. And a lot of people and a lot of states didn't go along with the program. And so I think that this meeting and that they're in secret and it's hard to even find anything on the internet about it, except for as Doug said from Off Guardian, like um, they wanna catch people unawares, right? Cause two years will go by pretty quick and all of a sudden we'll have, you know, whatever it is that comes up next and your sovereignty has gone and you can't take back those rights as we've been sharing for two years, you know? Yeah. So uh, in, the, in the US they had an open comment section on the health and human services website they didn't let anybody know about it and it was a couple of hours and that was it that people could send in their comments concerns luckily we have some lawyers in the U.S. that are tracking this very closely and telling people like you need to learn the law because this will happen and before you know it you know there could be people at your door actually forcibly trying to get you to comply with whatever it is whether it's a vaccine or a pill or you know what I'm saying so and I think those are the people that make the who nervous people that are independent thinkers that don't want a medical intervention for their health and wellness, you know? Yeah, definitely. There was actually a, um, it was, I think it was a different one than the U S one, but there was a, a, a commentary period or something like that at one point that I think was done by the who. And it was very, it wasn't very, well publicized or anything like that. And I think that they were expecting it to just kind of blow over without much comment on it, but it ended up that the site crashed because so many people were commenting on it. Now, whether that was that it crashed because it couldn't handle the traffic or it crashed because somebody decided that they were getting too many comments, but apparently there was a lot of commentary on it. Um, that's not going to do anything, but nonetheless, it's interesting to note that people were aware and were, um, you know, at least trying to make their voices heard. So it's encouraging to a certain extent. 
Yeah. Um, whether this will go ahead or not, it remains to be seen. It's said to be implemented legally if everything goes well by 2024. So, you know, will we be seeing another pandemic? Pandemic before then? Will it be after when this new treaty is in place and everything is as it should be for them to continue moving forward? Uh, and start slapping restrictions on company on countries who 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 don't follow the orders, uh, or will it not come to pass? Who knows? Uh, but with the with the lack of kind of uh, coverage, I mean, I've not I've not come across this anywhere. Basically, like you said, it was it was fairly difficult to find any information within the alternative sphere. Everyone has been focused on the Russia-Ukraine thing, so it seems as though uh, it's kind of convenient that what what they're doing is is uh, is passing this stuff and and going ahead with these plans when no one's even paying attention at the moment. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, do you guys do you guys feel as though it's likely that this is going to be implemented? I think it's going to be implemented, regardless. How many countries join on might might be up for debate. Uh, whether individual countries will um you know the citizens will fight on it there is a petition that i've seen floating around um actually damien maybe you can sign it uh bring it up it's, it says do not sign any who pandemic tra- treaty unless it is approved by via public referendum and there's currently 71,187 signatures on it um and that's based in the uk and it's basically just telling people that this is not something that the leaders can just arbitrarily decide to sign up for, that um, this is something that citizens need to vote on. Um, Yeah, and of course, I mean, that makes a lot of sense that there shouldn't be a one world government just come in, you know? Like we we should be able to make a decision on this, whether that would actually happen or not. I don't know, I mean, you know, Say by uh, <clears throat> the end of this, there's like, you know, 200,000 signatures on there. Is the government going to listen to that? I don't know. Well, it's it's interesting. I'll, 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 I'll be interested to see how this applies to the U.S., you know, like, because what we saw, I mean, I think throughout the, the, these past two years, what we've seen, especially at the start of it, my impression at least was that, we, we already saw the hidden hand of like a one world government or at least uh, something resembling that, you know, because you saw the, the relative um, homogenous response among most of most of the countries. I mean, you, you saw you saw countries like the UK who immediately came out and said, no, the science is not sound. We're not going to lock down. We're not going to wear masks. Because actually, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go with the concept of herd immunity. That was one day. And then all of a sudden, like uh, after some meeting, Boris Johnson comes out and says, no, we're going to do exactly the same as all of the other countries. <laughs> yeah, It's like overnight, the, well, the science didn't change overnight. So something else changed. So I think we saw some evidence, at least, that there was this kind of governing hand, this hidden hand, working behind the scenes, advising governments across the world and we know that those those things exist, right? But uh, this is kind of this is kind of moving towards more of an official 
yeah. uh, an official governing body, uh, something that no one could really argue against, right? Mm-hmm. However, what we also saw, not only did we see indiv- independent sovereign nations, you know, autonomous nations not follow the rest of the countries, but we also saw that occur with states. Now, I'll be interested to see how a treaty like this, if it's talking about the, you know, the 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 response among different nations, is that going to also apply? Is that going to mean that there are um, heightened restrictions on different states? I mean, how's it going to work? What are you going to do? Sanction Texas? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? I mean, like, that's like one of the 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 greatest oil producers in the US, right? That's that's where a lot of the resources are. There's, there's no way they like what they're gonna do, sanction an entire state, sanction two states, sanction Texas and Florida. Like, how is that gonna work? Because you've got a whole nation, it's technically a country, right? It's not a continent. So uh, I, I'm just just for the sake of interest, I I you know I'm 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 kind of uh looking forward to seeing how they how they try to how they try to play that out how they what measures they try to put in place to to deal with you know non-state government or non-state compliance because that would be a little bit more difficult i think uh as opposed to sanctioning some far-off african nation or whatever so yeah that's just my thoughts on that subject you might end up um, having two troops on the ground international two well, troops well, and they tell you in their terminology too. Like I know, Doug, you shared that infograph uh, about. Oh yeah, the uh, infographic. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the terms in there, and this is, I saw this on James Corbett. It's the One Health approach, and it's like an umbrella. So who decides what the One Health approach is? Like Elliot was saying. Like so, maybe one state says, "Well, we'd rather do you know non-vaccine-based therapeutics, or maybe we'll do diet or whatever." And then another state doesn't. But if they have this One Health umbrella, it's like, well, that's not even up for discussion. We've already decided, and you can see this in their long list of thematic wishes of what they want. As far as like, it's only going to be you know pharmaceutical interventions, right? So the One Health approach is everyone's got to do this and it's all about vaccines. And that would be fine if the vaccine industry wasn't a for-profit industry, right? Like if you figured out that everyone could be better through vaccination and nobody's making money off of it, then that seems fair. But when you have a multi-billion dollar financial interest, and the who decides what the approach is, then it's money-making scheme. I mean, this is straight gangsters, like yeah. mafia. Racketeering. It's what it is, racketeering, yeah. And there's very, very little room for dissent, as we saw. I mean, we saw it. We saw people lose their livelihood. People are losing their life. And I think a lot what's happening now is they're just doing massive damage control because, you know, the, the Pfizer data dumps and all this stuff and all the lawsuits coming out like there it's, it's spiraling out of control for them. You know, obviously the vaccines aren't working. There's a lot of pain and suffering that are coming from that. And they're like, we got to get a handle on this. We got to, you know, clamp this down and make sure people know where their bread is buttered, so to speak. Yeah. One other thing on that uh, infographic actually is it says, what are the potential benefits of an international agreement on pandemics? And 
you know, they've got a lot of kind of BS in there. Improved equity, for one thing. They've always, that's that's the big buzzword right now is equity. But one thing that kind of caught my eye is the sharing of monitoring data, genetic data, samples, technology, and their associated benefits. So we haven't even cracked that, that privacy issue on the whole thing. Right. You know, that, I mean, that's a whole other can of worms that we could be opening up. Um but we won't. We have in the past talked about the whole <laughs> privacy stuff. So, um, yeah. But it's just I just thought that that was that was very interesting. They're talking about um, sharing genetic data, samples, technology. So, I mean, obviously, what's going to probably come hand in hand with this would be a international COVID pass. Who approved? So, right. Yeah. One thing, and then, and I know we're getting towards our time here, but in that wish list, they say anchoring the treaty in human rights and addressing the principles of the right to health, equality, solidarity, transparency, trust, and accountability. It's like they throw those words out there, but they have no intention of yeah. as long as your right to health is going along with the program, then yeah. you'll get your solidarity and trust and accountability. But you know, God forbid, you should say. I don't know i have some doubts about that approach. yeah well as james corbett was pointing out that whole right to health it's like you know it sounds oh yeah that's good everybody has a right to health but then when you really think about it it's like what do they mean by right to health and it's like well is my right to health infringed upon by somebody who doesn't want to get vaccinated i have a right, right. to health and i'm vaccinated but i'm not protected if this other person isn't vaccinated which doesn't actually make any sense but anyway uh, so my right to health, you're infringing on my right to health by not being vaccinated. Yeah. Anyway. So it's going to be keep unfolding and we'll try and keep an eye on it. In addition to everything else, you know, I mean, here in the U S you can see like these court cases of movie stars and whatnot. You always go, Hmm, I wonder what's really going on yeah, now. Exactly. That, you know, everyone's worried about Johnny Depp and, and whatever that, that situation is. And, and then you have things like this just flying right under the radar. And, you know, there is a, a call for people to, to be informed at least a little bit, you know, I mean, at least know that, it's not a bright and sunny future for all of us and our right to choose our, our health. You know, so. Yep. Indeed. Uh, so we'll see, I guess time will tell. Uh, okay. So anything, anyone got anything else to add? I think that's a, think it's, it's constantly unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. see if it changes we'll see if countries actually do stand up and i think they were saying and i don't have it in front of me but russia are they part of the world health organization or that that they're joining or not joining could be pretty pivotal for this as well uh so that's something to i don't look know at. if they're part of it or not i'm not sure i'm not sure however i wouldn't be surprised by 2024 if they're not <laughs> if things carry on um yeah i guess i guess we'll see they'll uh, yes. i mean it's likely there's because there's going to be uh, another there's going to be more coming out you know they're having meetings every every couple of months i think the next one is july if i read that correctly mm-hmm. um and they're and then they're going to be presenting at the end of the year again and then maybe even like 
probably in 2023. So no doubt we're going to be covering that if the, you know, if we're still about. So um, yeah, let's just keep an eye on it and, and, and see how it moves forward. Uh, and if that's everything, then I guess that that's this show done for this week. Uh, thanks to my co-hosts. Thanks to all of the listeners. You like and share this video or podcast if you liked it. And uh, make sure to subscribe to our channel. And we will see you next week for another topic. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.